Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of beautiful temples. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today we're talking about a temple called Kiyomizudera, which translates literally to pure water temple. It is a very, very famous temple in Kyoto, known for its huge wooden terrace. And I actually, I've found there are a few other temples in other parts of Japan that have this same name. But we're talking about the one in Kyoto, the most famous one by yes. far. It is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, one of the most famous and most recognizable temples in the country, I think you could say. Absolutely. So like I said, it's best known for its wooden stage or terrace, people call it, that juts out in front of the main hall. It is a super impressive, awesome, beautiful view of this place. Yeah. The terrace, to clarify, juts out over a hill. So it's well above land. Right. So imagine like this big canopy of trees. This is on the east edge of Kyoto. There is kind of all wilderness around. It's halfway up Mount Otowa. Right. So you got all these trees. The temple is like rising up above the tops of the trees. And it's supported by a sort of wooden lattice. Like it looks like it's kind of floating up above the trees. It's really, really cool. Yeah, on these massive wooden pillars. Mm-hmm. And all the trees that are around it are cherry and maple trees. So in the spring, you got the cherry blossoms, makes for a beautiful view. And in the fall, you got all those maples that turn like a really, really bright red. Uh, I mean, any time of year, it's just a great place to look at. Yeah, beautiful year round. With different views Mm -hmm. every season, too. Yeah. And so there's like a viewpoint. If you walk past the main stage, there's a point where you can look back at the main stage and get this really awesome view. And you see Kyoto, the whole city, stretching out behind this place in the distance. Yep. So look up pictures. It'll blow you away. Before I'd even heard of this place, actually, and before I'd been to Japan, I found a picture of this place online. And I was just like, this place is magical. I need to go there. And so I did. When I visited Japan for my first time in 2014, I went there. And Paul and I visited together in 2016. Yeah. So I went to Kiyomizudera my first trip to Japan too. Mm. And I didn't plan on it. I had wanted to see the Golden Pavilion. That was like what I wanted to see in Kyoto. Mm. You know, even though there's a million great temples to see. Well, maybe a thousand if I'm not exaggerating, ridiculously. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But I was in Osaka the day before I went to Kyoto, and I was at the bunny bar, and I asked the waitress. Hold on, hold on. (laughs) Well, that's another story. You can't just gloss over the bunny bar. What is the bunny bar? Uh, All the waitresses wear bunny girl uniforms or outfits. They even had someone out on the street. That's how I found it. It was in like the sixth floor of some random building, but... Uh, like the person on the street was dressed in the bunny costume, you're saying? Yeah, handing out little flyers that said bunny bar. Nice. And I was like, yo, bro, we, I need a beer. And he's like, I guess, fine. <laughs> and she actually like walked us in, put us on the elevator and like hit the button for the floor. Yeah. And we just like popped out in the bunny bar and it was great. Yeah. But anyways... This is, this is with your brother, Bob. Yes. I just want to yes. clarify that. And if anyone's listening, it wasn't Bob's idea. The bunny bar was absolutely my idea. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I'm talking to the waitress and she's like, oh, where are you going tomorrow? And I was like, oh, we're going to Kyoto. What should we see in Kyoto? And they were all like, Kiyomizu Dera. You got to go see Kiyomizu. So that's why we went. Wow. So it's super famous even to Japanese people. Definitely, definitely, yes. I've got a fun fact about Kiyomizu Dera. What do you got? Not a single nail was used in construction. That's so cool. Of the main hall. Yeah, the way they can fit a building that size together and all the pieces just fit together without having to use nails. Yeah. That's cool. It is incredible. We've mentioned before in previous episodes about how, I mean, there are quite a few buildings around Japan that are completely wood built without any metal at all or any nails or anything because they just have these amazing methods of, what's the what's the word? Adjoining pieces of wood yeah. by just like carving slots into them kind of? Yeah, they carve one into a slot and one into a piece that goes into a slot. <laughs> And they're really, it's amazing the different shapes that they come up with to fit them together in a way that they lock. Like they're not going anywhere. It's a perfect fit and they're just really tightly connected, you know? And I guess it helps with earthquakes too, because there's a little bit of give and they can sway without like a nail that could break and then it loses all its structural integrity. Totally. Yeah. Um, So one, one last thing I wanted to mention in the intro here is that Paul, when you and I visited in 2016, you remember how that terrace was being renovated? Yeah. They had like tarps and stuff over the whole front of the main hall. So we didn't get to see the very, very best view. But as of March 2020, those renovations have been completed. Nice. So you can see the main hall again. Now is the perfect time to, well, I, I can't say now is the perfect time to go <laughs> considering the current uh, world climate. Might be less crowded. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the history of this place. So there's a pretty cool story about how it was founded. Kiyomizu was founded in 778 on the site of the Otoa Waterfall in the hills on the east edge of Kyoto. And there are a lot, tons of other temples around that area too. But there's a pretty fun story about how it was founded. A legend, you might call it. So Paul and I talked about this a little bit before we recorded. and. I mean, this is a legend, you know, it's something that happened over a thousand years ago. There are a lot of different versions, some more believable than others. Uh, I I kind of tried to go with the most believable one. And then I was thinking afterwards, we can talk about just the crazy stuff that maybe has gotten added onto that version over the years or something. Okay. What do you have? Do you want to tell the story? I mean, I read a bunch of it. I didn't take a ton of notes because it, it was like all over the place. It seemed yeah. a little too incoherent to like tell correctly. I yeah. don't know. As, you know, 1,300-year-old legends <laughs> tend to be, I guess. Yeah. More like 1,200. Anyway. Okay, here's a story. The founding abbot was a monk named Enchin, and in 778, he had a dream. In this dream, a deity came to him and told him to go up the Kizugawa River to find a fountain of purest water. So he went looking for this fountain, and he arrived at a waterfall at the foot of Mount Otoa. This would be Otoa Waterfall, the one that I mentioned. And this is where Kiyomiza got its name. Because the name, remember, means pure water temple. It was named after the pure water from this waterfall. Yep. Pretty cool. So at this waterfall, 
he met a Buddhist ascetic, a hermit named Gyoe Koji. And Koji gave him a piece of sacred wood, which Enchin then carved into a statue of Kanon, a deity of mercy and compassion. And then he took that statue and enshrined it in Koji's hut. I guess Koji was living in a little hut out there. So a few years later, a general and shogun by the name of Sakanoue no Tamaramaro was hunting deer in the area in order to pray for his sick wife. That's what I saw. I'm not sure what exactly hunting a deer has to do with praying for his wife. Is it like a sacrifice sort of thing? Yeah, that, it would have to be, but yeah. it kind of sounds like he just wanted to get out of the house. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know what the deal was with that exactly, but either way, after he killed a deer, he ran into Enchin, our monk friend, mm-hmm. who lectured him about the sanctity of all life and the mercy and compassion of Kanon. And the shogun was so moved by this lecture, and he felt so guilty for killing the deer, that he became a devoted follower of Kanon and had the main hall erected to house the statue that Enchin had carved. And supposedly, that original statue is still there. Really? Supposedly. Okay. It's only displayed every 33 years. Okay. So yeah, pretty interesting story. And that's uh, the most believable version. I saw one version where when Enchin runs into the hermit, Koji, he is told that Koji has been sitting there on this log for 200 years. Yeah. And that's the log that he's been sitting on is what gets carved into the statue. And there's something about, okay, so let me see if I can remember this because I didn't take notes on this, but Enshin comes up to Koji. Koji is like, hey, I want to go on a pilgrimage, but I've been sitting here taking care of this sacred log. Why don't you take my spot? I'll go on my pilgrimage. Just hang out on this log for me, right? So they do that. But then uh, Enchin gets impatient, I guess, and tries to go after Koji, but he finds no sign of him but his shoes. And he decides that, oh, that must have been Kanon herself taking human form to kind of give him this sacred log, I guess. Yeah, I saw that, or a similar version to that as well. Yeah. So our general and shogun friend, Sakanoue, is the one, I believe, that then built the buildings of the original temple complex or funded the building of that. Yeah. Because he was so impressed and moved. Mm-hmm. And I think that main hall was actually moved from somewhere else. I forget exactly where. Okay. So, somewhere important. They took the building and moved it there specifically to house that statue. So the current buildings at Kiyomizudera were constructed in 1633 by the order of Tokugawa Iemitsu, the third Tokugawa shogun. Right, because the temple buildings burned down multiple times after, I heard after it was founded. They've all burned down at least 10 times. That's a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, 1,200 plus years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is... But the current ones are all almost 400 years old now. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, it is. I also want to note, when this temple was founded, It was originally affiliated with the Hoso sect of Buddhism, and it was actually considered a branch of Kohukuji, a temple in Nara. And this sect, the Hoso sect, is one of the oldest and longest surviving sects in Japan. 
although now the temple is actually associated with a sect that it formed itself in 1965, the Kita Hoso sect. So that means the North Hoso sect, kind of a subdivision of that sect, I suppose. Yeah, I saw during the split in 1965, Q. Mizudera's chief abbot was seeking a new form of Buddhism for the future society, what they're going to need in the future and work for them. Hmm. So that apparently is part of what led him to split and start his own thing. Okay. So to jump back to the Edo period for a second, there's some pretty interesting stuff that happened at this temple in that period, right, Paul? There sure is. So in Japan, there's a popular expression that translates to jump off the stage at Kiyomizu, Mm -hmm. is the expression. Basically means to take the plunge. But where it actually comes from is an Edo period tradition that held if you survived jumping off the stage of the main hall at Kiyomizu-dera, which is a 43-foot drop. 13 meters. And survived, your wish would be granted. Yeah. And apparently they kept records because there are 234 recorded jumps during that period. And 85.4% of them survived. I did the math. That means 200 out of 234 survived. That seems pretty high to me. That's a long ways. Yeah. The theory I saw is that those trees surrounding the stage kind of helped soften people's descents. Yeah, I definitely jump into like the thickest tree I could find. Yeah. But that's crazy. How many of them broke bones and stuff? And they didn't have like this super best medical technology back then. I know that would have been, I mean, even with today's modern medicine, that would be a super dangerous thing to do. What I want to know is what these people were wishing for. Like what wish is important enough that you're like, I need this wish. I'm just going to jump and hope I don't die. It's that important to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, where people must have been desperate. Yeah. Uh, The practice was prohibited in 1872. Mm -hmm. So it's been a while, apparently, since anyone's done that. Yeah. But that expression, to jump off the stage at Kiyomiza, is still a popular saying. Yeah. Pretty cool. (laughs) He's got to go for it. Yep. So the last thing I have for the history section is, I thought it was interesting, in 2007, there was a campaign that chose the new seven wonders of the world. Like, you know, you might have heard of the seven wonders of the world, the ancient seven wonders, and a lot of those aren't around anymore, right? I think the Great Pyramid's the only one okay. that's still around. Yeah. So they, they were coming up with a list of the new seven wonders, the ones that are still existing. And Kiyomiza was actually one of the 21 finalists. Yeah. But it wasn't chosen. Hey, again, the top 21's pretty impressive. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. And I think it deserves it. Such an amazing place. It is. The last note I've got on history is that apparently it's been documented in a lot of old Japanese books mentioning pilgrimages to Kiyomizudera. So it's been a popular place to go pretty much since its founding, it seems. Mm, Japanese have been taking pilgrimages there for 1,200 plus years. So that's pretty cool. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Kanon. Remember, this is the deity that Enchin carved the statue for, the main object of worship at the temple, right? So Kanon is a bodhisattva. 
and I think I mentioned this term once maybe in a previous episode, a bodhisattva is one who has the ability to reach enlightenment, to reach nirvana, but they choose to stay back on earth to help others achieve it, right? Yep. So Kanon is a very popular figure in Japanese Buddhism. She's worshipped at thousands of temples, and she can be seen in a lot of different forms. You'll find different statues of her all over the place that vary a bit. So she's said to take on 33 forms, some of which have 11 heads or 1,000 arms. Which makes me think, how do you carve that statue? Yeah, like, I wonder that My goodness, too. what does that statue look like? <laughs> I think there are very few that actually have 1,000 arms. There are some. Yeah, but, you know, even if you put a hundred arms on there, it would look super impressive and we'd get the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was wondering about that 10 heads thing too. Like, are we talking like a Hydra sort of thing with all these, you know, different heads popping off? I saw 11 directions? faces. Okay. But I don't know where the faces are if they're not on yeah. a head. Well, I looked it up. I okay. found pictures. Most of these statues, it looks like she's got like a normal head and then she's kind of wearing a crown and around the crown, you have all the, these 10 other faces. Okay, okay. Right? Interesting. Yeah. And then just arms everywhere. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, so in Japan, like I said, you'll find all sorts of different representations of her. With They even have different names. They'll have different appearances, and there'll be symbolic objects that can vary a lot that she's maybe holding in her hands or you know incorporated into the statue somehow. And I have a few examples of these different versions of Kanon. So Senju Kanon is Kanon of a Thousand Arms. Juichimen Kanon is the Kanon with 11 faces. And this version you'll often see carrying Juzu prayer beads and maybe a lotus flower, which is a very, very popular symbol in Buddhism, of course, and a weapon. And she helps people recover from sickness rescues people from poison, and protects them from fires. Okay. Yeah. There's another one called Shokanon, which has an unopened lotus in one hand. Can you uh, guess what the unopened lotus symbolizes? Someone who's not yet found nirvana? Exactly. The closed lotus represents the Buddha nature in us all. Like, we all have the potential to become a Buddha, right? Oh, we're all just closed lotuses waiting to open. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. And then her other hand would be open, ready to rescue her followers. Okay. So th this is one of my favorite ones. There's some, there some really cool variations on Kanon. There's one Bato Kanon, horse-headed Kanon. So I looked up pictures of this one. I didn't see any sculptures where her head is actually that of a horse like a human body with a horse head <laughs> yeah but it looks like most of the time it's like a human head but then there's a horse's head on top of that head okay like it's kind of sitting on there like a hat yeah some of them are kind of kind of funny looking gotta <laughs> say um, but she sits on a lotus petal holding weapons and she is even still popular among soldiers seafarers, and construction workers. Okay. And this makes a lot of sense. Farmers might also pray to this version of Kanon for the health of their horses and cows. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, here's another one I thought was really interesting. Paul, you remember we've talked about how in the Edo period, the Tokugawa shogunate 
banned Christianity. Right. But there were still some people in Japan that were Christian. They just had to be, they were pushed underground, right? Mm -hmm. Had to worship in secret. So what they did is they created sculptures of the Virgin Mary disguised as Kanon. Okay. So there are still places where you can go and find statues that look a lot like the Virgin Mary. (laughs) And she's holding a little baby. And she's even going to have maybe some crosses incorporated into the statue, but like disguised crosses. Like she'll have a necklace that has some jewels. And you can kind of see those jewels are kind of situated in a cross sort of shape. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So throughout Japanese history, Kanon has taken on a bunch of different forms in response to the needs of the people. The forms will evolve over time depending on what people need Kanon for, right? And that's even true today. These days, Japan has an aging population. So there's a version of Kanon called Bokefuji Kanon, which has become a popular deity to pray to for protection from senility and dementia. Okay. And I even saw there's a Dobutsu Shugo Kanon. Dobutsu means animal. So this Kanon is for people to pray for their pets. Pets are real big in Japan. People love their pets. Everybody loves their pets, I hope. Yeah. Yeah, that's Kanon. Pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff there. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your experience if you go to visit the temple. Yeah. So for starters, you can get off at a train station. It's about a 20-minute walk where there's a bus stop from which it's about a 10-minute walk. Mm -hmm. And the area you're going to end up in, whether you're taking the bus or the train, is the eastern Higashiyama area. And this might be one of the most famous areas in Kyoto, too. Higashiyama is very well known for those narrow little traditional streets, a lot of wooden buildings, and a feeling of old Japan. You know, I think a lot of people see pictures of Japan, of these types of places, and they think, oh, is that what all of Japan looks like? And it's not. I mean, there definitely are a lot of places like that around Japan, but of course, big cities are big cities, you know? But if you've seen those pictures, you probably know what I'm talking about. You got cherry blossoms, you got these old, few hundred-year-old wooden buildings. Higashiyama has that kind of thing, if that's what you're looking for. So as you approach the temple, you're going to be walking up some of these old-fashioned narrow streets. And they're lined with tourist shops, street food places. There's a lot to look at. You remember walking up those streets, Paul? Definitely. It's a narrow street with big uphill. Just Mm -hmm. every building's a shop of some sort. Yeah, it's really cool. They sell all the normal souvenirs, but they also have kumizu yaki pottery. Mm -hmm. Sweets and pickles are kind of specialties of the area. Yeah, that's pretty cool that they have like their own style of pottery there. Yeah. I remember a place I stopped on that street that had all sorts of flavors of ice cream. Like I know a lot of people... Japan, they enjoy finding these just unusual flavors of ice cream, you know? And there's one place that had like the black sesame ice cream. Everybody's excited about getting black ice cream. That's kind of fun. I remember you stopping and getting ice cream. What flavor was it? I don't know. I had sake flavored oh, ice cream. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I and wanted it, to try that. It tasted like sake. So cool. 
That sounds good. It was. So yeah, this street, I mean, it feels touristy, of course. You got all these souvenir shops and stuff around. But I think it's really cool when you think about how these shops have been here for centuries. I mean, like Paul mentioned, people have been going to Kiyomiza for centuries. And that whole time, they've had these souvenir shops selling pottery and little trinkets. Yeah. It's almost part of this really old tradition, you know? Being a tourist, you're, you're following a long, long line of other tourists. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the shops are family-owned. Like family lives upstairs, shops downstairs on the street. Mm-hmm. They could have been in that family for generations probably. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I also wanted to mention, once you get to the top of that street, like right when you're starting to get up to the temple complex, just take a second to turn around and look down the street. Because now that you've walked all the way up this, you have a pretty high up view. You can see all the roofs of these little traditional buildings. It's a really popular place to take pictures. I've seen a lot of pictures looking down this street. It's a pretty cool view. Yeah, it is. Especially like at sunset. Yeah. So before you even get in to where you pay admission, there's some cool stuff. There's a three-story pagoda outside the admission area that you can look at. Mm -hmm. Is the main gate outside the admission area as well? As I recall, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is Impressive main gate you walk through. Mm-hmm. So there are these stairs going up to the complex. Yeah. And left of those, there's the umatodome. Uma means horse. So this is a set of wooden horse stalls from the Edo period, hundreds of years ago, where samurai would have tied up their horses when they came to visit the temple. Yeah. And- I don't think we knew that when we were there. We probably just walked right by them. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that at all. Some wood buildings. (laughs) I didn't think of doing this, but I should go back and look at my pictures from when I was there and see if I can find these things. Yeah, I didn't notice. The pagoda I definitely noticed. And the main gate you'll notice. Yeah. Paul, did you read anything about the Zuigudo Hall? No, I don't think so. This is also outside the admission area. This place is dedicated to Buddha's mom. And if you pay a small entrance fee, like specifically for this place, you can wander around a pitch black basement. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to pause there to see your reaction. But this black basement is symbolic. It symbolizes a mother's womb. Okay. Because it's for the Buddha's mother. And apparently there's a stone in there that can grant any wish. That's cool. So you just got to find it. I guess. I don't know. Maybe we wander around with your hands out until you get <laughs> to the stone. It seems like that would be a little easier than jumping off the stage if you have a wish you want granted. Yeah. There's multiple ways to get good luck at Q Mizudera. I don't understand why people thought they had to jump <laughs> off the stage. Yeah. Uh, there's also a Jizo around there. You remember Jizo? They're, they're all over the place at temples in Japan. Yeah. A little Buddha statue. Um, Jizo is a bodhisattva to not a Buddha, but he is a protector of children and travelers. Mm. And there is a special one at Kiyomiza because he grants wishes too. Of course. So many wishes. Yeah, get all your wishes. Yeah. So the idea with this guy is you make an offering, you make your wish, and then you turn his head around 360 degrees. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I wish I'd known about this. Like, I want to know how his head is attached because this is a stone statue. How do you how do you turn his head around? You know, I don't know. 
Also, if you have a love interest and you make a wish and you point his head in the direction of where your love interest lives, you'll have good luck in your pursuit of that relationship, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you got, got to find out where she lives. <laughs> got to get my compass. <laughs> yeah. Also, this Jizo gets dressed up in different outfits throughout the year. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Okay, so we've done all there is to do outside of the temple complex that you pay to get into. What's next, Paul? Well, you pay 400 yen and you get inside. For adults, right? I think they have different, a lower fee for children. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe high school students have less. Maybe seniors. Yeah. I mean, they'll have a list of prices. I'm none of those things, so I paid 400. Yep, me too. Temple's open from 6 to 6 a.m. to p.m., uh, although it looks like it stays open until 6.30, sometimes on weekends or during the fall, it looked like. Mm. A lot of temples have different hours in summer and winter. And it's open year-round, so that's cool. Yeah. Every day. I bet it looks cool in winter. Yeah, I saw some pictures. It looks pretty cool with uh, snow everywhere. Nice. So maybe the first place you might want to go is that main hall. Yeah. That's where the crowds are going to be going probably. Yeah. Follow the crowd. And as you approach it, you're going to pass some windows where there are people selling things. So you'll find a, a place like this at most temples. There are people selling little lucky talismans, bracelets. I remember I bought a bracelet there. Incense, omikuji, the uh, fortunes, fortune telling kind of stuff. So you pass that stuff, you get to the main hall, and that's where the primary object of worship is housed. Statue of Kanon. Mm-hmm. So you've got the big stage in front of the main hall. Mm-hmm. And it's used pretty much today as like a viewing platform, I'd say, as you just get a look out over the hill and the trees. Mm-hmm. But the stage was originally designed for traditional performances dedicated to Kanon. So from old times, they'd have ceremonial music or no plays or kabuki performances always facing the main hall rather than facing the beautiful scenery. Interesting. And so they have like the nature behind them as a backdrop. Huh? Right. Give the view to Kanon rather than to the person. Wow. And apparently there's still performances there on some special religious occasions today as, as well. Awesome. Although most days you just go walk around on it and enjoy it. Yeah. So if you walk around behind that main hall, you're going to find Jishu Shrine, which is a shrine dedicated to Okuninushi, the deity of love and matchmaking. So a lot of people visit this place to find luck in love. Yeah. Don't need to jump off a cliff. Yeah. All you got to do is walk between two stones with your eyes closed. Yeah, there are 60 feet apart. 18 meters. So if you succeed in reaching one stone from the other with your eyes closed the whole time, it means you will find love. Mm-hmm. And when I visited, I saw, like, there'll be somebody walking, and then there'll be people around them, like their friends or whatever, helping them along, like telling them which direction to go or something. Yeah. And if you get help from somebody else getting from one stone to the other... That indicates that you're going to also need an intermediary in your love life. Yeah. You'll be successful, but you'll need somebody to 
introduce you to somebody, I guess, or help you out somehow. Maybe you need your mom to set you up with somebody. <laughs> oh, stop. My mom's <laughs> the worst. I wasn't talking about your mom. I was talking about people just, in general. <laughs> sore spot. Sorry, sore spot. <laughs> Has your mom tried to set you up with people? She Every time I see her, like, <laughs> I'm going to make a profile for you on this and this website. Oh, wow. I think she told me she was going to go to like, some Christian singles website or something and make a profile for me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, please don't, mom. Please don't. That girl would be so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't lie to people. <laughs> Um, I saw a person's romantic interest can help them find the other stone as well. So that's like yeah. the cheat. You know, if yeah. you bring your boyfriend or girlfriend, they can help you out. Yeah. It was really fun watching people do that. Totally. There was like a field trip there of like middle or high school kids or something. And some of them were doing it for fun and laughing. There were a couple like older people, like not old, but like adults, clearly adults yeah. that looked very serious. There was like one one woman that was like having a hard time and she was just not giving up. Yeah. She just did not give up and she finally found it because everyone cheers when one person finds it and then you can kind of like hear the cheers and like, oh, it's over there. Right. That's right. That's your little clue. Yeah. Yeah. I remember some little kids, one of them had his eyes closed and and his friends were just like in a circle around him, just like screaming at him, like, right, right, go right. No, no, stop, go left, left. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. All right, so if you walk around to the base of the main hall, under those trees kind of surrounding the main hall, you're going to find Otowa Waterfall. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. And of course, you know, it's got this pure water that the temple was named after. And you know that water has some magical properties. Oh, of course. So the waterfall has actually been divided into three streams. And if you go, there's like a platform you can stand on underneath the waterfall. And there are these long-handled ladles that you can use to catch the water from the streams and drink it. Now, if you decide to do this, make sure you don't drink it directly from the ladle. Because other people are going to be drinking that water too. So be sure to pour it into your hand. Sip it out of your hand. Yep. Each stream is said to have a different benefit. Look like one was longevity, one success at school, and one is fortunate love life. Mm-hmm. Although, don't drink from all three. So greedy. Yep. That's too greedy. You'll have bad luck maybe then. Yeah. Probably just want to drink from one. Yep, Even two pick. might be too greedy. Take your pick on what's really important to you at the moment. Yeah. So if you have a specific thing you want, I'll, I'll let you know. The left one is for school. Middle one is for the love life. Right one is for longevity. Okay. So behind that waterfall to the left, kind of, is Okunoin Hall, which looks a lot like the main hall. It's even got the stage in front, too. It's just kind of a smaller version of it. And near that hall, there are a couple other halls dedicated to the historical Buddha, the Buddha, and Amida Buddha, which is another Buddha that is important in Mahayana Buddhism. And there's a hall with almost 200 stone statues of Jizo, that guy I mentioned before, the protector of children. He gets a lot of statues. Seriously, man. I mean, I've been to temples where there are literally, well, hundreds. I mean, yeah. this one has 200. I've seen ones with probably hundreds. many more hundreds of them. Yeah, there's a lot of temples that have hundreds of statues of him. Yeah. 
a lot of times they're like really tiny too. They're pretty cute little guys. Yeah. Yeah. And they just have like a big army of them all, all stuck <laughs> together. So, you know, we've mentioned a bunch of different halls. You might've noticed this complex is really big. There is so much to see there. Yeah. You could get a little bit of hiking in, just walking around, seeing everything there is. Mm-hmm. And actually, so from the main stage, there's a little trail that goes to like this viewpoint where I mentioned you could get the great view of the main stage. Yeah. And if you continue along that path, that kind of goes off into the, into the woods a little ways until you get to Koyasu Pagoda, which is on the, the, the southern end of the temple grounds. Yeah, it's another three-story pagoda, mm-hmm. just like well, the one near the entrance. Yep. This is actually one of the tallest three-story pagodas in Japan, 31 meters high. Yeah, it is pretty tall. Like the floors don't seem like sandwiched close together. Yeah. The pagodas said to bring about easy and safe childbirth if you visit it. That's another important one. Yep. So if you want to go visit this awesome temple, which you totally should. I mean, if you go to Kyoto, you pretty much have to go to Kiyomiza. It's that amazing. That's totally true, but there's probably like 10, 20 things in Kyoto that you could say that for. That's true. You got to go to Arashiyama, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got to see the bamboo forest. But gotta, you're right. You got to go to Kiyomizu. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Kiyomizu twice. I still haven't been to the Golden Pavilion, Kinkakuji. Really? Yeah. Ah. I, you know, another thing I heard about Kinkakuji, I've always heard that that's one of the more disappointing places in Kyoto. There's less there. You just go and you walk around the Golden Pavilion and then you're done. Yeah, and I've heard it's super crowded. You know, you can find amazing pictures of the yeah. place. Like, it looks beautiful. It's super beautiful. But once you've seen the pictures, like, going there, you're just going to be in a huge crowd of people looking at what you saw in the pictures. It was um, not fun getting there, I'll tell you that. That's another thing, yeah. I, I, I don't really like taking the buses if I can avoid it. I'd rather take the trains. And that one's kind of out of the way. Yeah, it felt like a 45-minute crowded bus ride to get there, and it was, like, hot in the bus. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to get to Kiyomiza, as Paul mentioned, you can take the train or the bus. Uh, If you're taking the bus from Kyoto Station, you can get on bus 100 or 206. It's just a 15-minute ride, 230 yen. Uh, You're going to want to get off at Gojozaka or Kiyomizumichi bus stop. Or you can just watch where like pretty much all the passengers on the bus are going to get off. (laughs) Yeah, the bus will empty. That's where everybody's (laughs) headed. And then you're going to walk about 10 minutes up those little touristy streets that we were talking about with all the shops. If you want to do the train, it's a walk, Paul said already, 20 minutes from the Kiyomiza Gojo station on the Keihan Railway line. And I mean, this temple is beautiful all year round. But if you visit in the second half of November, they have illuminations. So they light up the main hall and all the trees around there, and they're going to have all those beautiful fall colors in the trees. Looks amazing. Yeah. We were there in November. We didn't see the illuminations, but mm-hmm. there were still some colorful leaves around. It was, it was a nice view for sure. Definitely. And yeah, we were there just a couple weeks too early for the illuminations, I think. Yeah. Akumizudera is particularly popular during festivals in Japan, such as New Year's and Obon. 
There's additional booths that fill up the ground selling everything and lots of food, lots going on. Yeah. Festival time is always fun. They got all this extra stuff to do around there. Maybe they'll have little games you can play. Festival food is always good. Yep. And actually, if you recall from the New Year's episode we did, we talked about how temples ring a bell 108 times at the New Year. And that is also true at Kiyomizu. They have a bell tower that was constructed in 1596. Wow. That you can see. So that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. That's all I got. Anything else, Paul? That's it. All right. If you want to see some pictures of this place, I'll post some on our Instagram, SJP Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at feedback at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. Paul, what are we talking about next time? Next episode is about koi. Fishies. Yep, koi fish. That'll be cool. I've heard a little bit about them, and it's like every topic we've done. There's more to it than you would expect. Yeah, you know, just go catch a fish and put it in a pond. Yeah, they're very special fish. So that'll be good. Thanks for listening. See you next time.